0: The Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, this is your host, Peter.
2: Today, we have a very special guest on our show. His name is James Fox Higgins. Hi,
3: guys. Good to be with you.
2: Good to have you here. For those of you who don't know who James is, he's an Australian singer-songwriter moving his way up in the uh, music scene. And his debut album, called Man Overboard, is coming out this Friday in Australia, which is Thursday for us, because James is from the future.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but that's exciting. So how you doing, man?
3: Yeah, good. I'm, I'm really uh, pumped, actually, to finally get this album out there in the world. It's been a long time coming.
2: Yeah. Um, you said it's been the working for about six years or so?
3: Yeah, the first song, which is actually the title track, um, I started six years ago, and some of the songs I wrote uh, even earlier than that, but uh, they've sort of taken a different shape since then. But but the first sort of recording was started six years ago, and, and it's been a gradual process since then, with a lot of other projects on the go in the meantime.
2: Mm. So with with songs like that, because you said you've written them, you know, over a number of years. I mean, was there always a plan of yours to to make them all into one? cohesive album or did it kind of just come to you more the last year or two?
3: Yeah exactly it sort of it came together much later to be honest when I'd started these songs I didn't really know what my plan was for them Um, I was studying at the time studying music and um, I was sort of Writing them and recording them to develop myself as an artist, but mm. I was really focused on my band at that time, uh, called Soul Continuum, and I, I really was investing most of my energy into that project, uh, which was with with five other guys and um, and a girl initially um, singing yeah, I didn't really have that much confidence in being able to go out on my own as a solo artist at that time. And, and at that time, I didn't even really consider myself to be a lead singer. I felt like I was more of a sort of behind the scenes producer, backing vocalist kind of guy, but not not really the, the front man. So that's only happened more recently.
2: Were you the, the lead singer of, of Soul Continuum or was or was that your band? Or?
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, I initially wasn't. It was... Uh, my musical partner, Princess Frisia, who was uh, who was leading the band vocally, but I was sort of at the helm of the production and writing process with her. And uh, and then she and I parted ways, and she went off to uh, do her solo thing in the UK. So we kind mm. of regrouped, and we decided that uh, Soul Continuum was going to continue, and that I would um I would take the uh, front center position as a lead singer, which was uh pretty nerve-wracking for me because i'd never done it before but it was it was sort of out of necessity and mm-hmm. we didn't really want to start auditioning other people to work with but from that process and releasing an album as the lead singer of soul continuum i really sort of found my voice and, and my confidence and uh, and now fast forward three or four years and, and here i am focused on my solo career
2: that's really cool it seems like you're a lot more comfortable with it now
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I do it I do it all. The, I just do it full time now, singing on my own or fronting bands, uh, working with all different musicians. Uh, I've moved to Sydney since then. I was based in Queensland before that. So, uh, yeah, it's a sort of a, a whole new realm that I'm, that I'm in now as a solo performer.
1: That's cool. Just a side note. What's going on down in Australia now? I hear there's like lots of flooding and stuff down there.
3: It's, uh, it's fire and brimstone, apparently, uh, and it seems to be happening everywhere but Sydney. So, um, oh, lucky yeah. yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, Victoria is uh, massive bushfires, uh, as is the Red Centre having a massive heat wave, And then Queensland, where my family is, is uh, having you know probably the second worst floods in history, catching up to the worst ones pretty quickly. But yeah, it's sort of... My, my parents have been flooded in for a while at their place, but they're all safe and sound. It's kind of... Kind of part of living in Queensland is is getting flooded in.
1: Mm. Well, we hope it dries out soon.
3: <laughs> I think it's starting to in in the area that I'm from, but there's there's some areas like Bundaberg that are that are just being uh, you know pummeled with rain. You know they're sort of gearing up for even worse weather. So yeah, I really I really hope it kind of comes to an end soon because it's madness.
2: You know this this last weekend because we live in Southern California, so we had some rain for a few days. Um, oh, really? This last weekend <laughs> for the and first time in a while for. There's there's an ongoing joke that people who live in Southern California the rain is basically like the apocalypse because no one knows how to drive in the rain. And everyone freaks out. <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's like that over there too.
3: No, i used to all weather in Australia and in all parts really. Even even Melbourne, which is, you know, pretty far away from Queensland, it's it's four seasons in one day. That's the running joke there. You know, you'll have a <laughs> thunderstorm in the morning and then it'll be swelteringly hot in the afternoon, so you just kind of get used to the wild, wild and rough weather in Australia. Hmm.
1: Just continuing a little bit. um, Obviously, based on this album and just in general, funk and soul were kind of the musical styles that inspired you. Correct? Yeah. Um, But obviously, those styles are birthed from like an American culture, and acid jazz came from like the UK. As a native Australian, does, does it ever feel kind of strange to take these influences from places so far from home?
3: It, it does, and, and as much as you know, my my roots are in Australia, and 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 I love it here. I, I've I, I do f- I have felt for a long time that that I'm probably in the wrong place for my career, and you know I'm I'm looking to um, potentially move abroad in the near future to to kind of get amongst a scene that's going to appreciate what I'm doing the most. But that said. Five years ago I was really frustrated here and these days I I find myself surrounded by musicians who who really understand what I'm doing and even if the average Australian listener is not so much into it, it's a bit more niche I I do find that musicians really get where I'm coming from and uh, the musician scene has an appreciation of of funk and soul and British roots that I come from musically.
1: Just going along that topic, um, who do you think are some of your greatest musical inspirations?
3: I, I can't leave out Jamiroquai as a teenager that was sort of the uh the Christmas I guess for me working out what I wanted to do musically and I mean I grew up as a young kid listening to Motown and and um, artists like Simply Red and Hall and Oates and those kind of acts were really influential to me as a kid but
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and I heard Cosmic Girl on the radio for first time and I knew that that was it and I needed to kind of work out what the hell they were doing to make that (laughs) and I did spend you know the first Probably eight or so years of my music career, I guess you'd say, even though I was a teenager and still at school, mm-hmm. is really just trying to emulate Jamiroquai. And it's actually something I've been trying to move away from uh, in recent years because it's kind of uh, put me in a bit of a corner. Um, people hear me and they go, oh, Australia's Jamiroquai, or mm. I mean, I went The Voice, uh, the first series of The Voice in Australia here last year and and right. the producers went, oh, well, you're the Jamiroquai guy, and they gave me a Jamiroquai song to sing. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to kind of move beyond that now and, and, and find, uh, find my own sound.
2: Now, did you perform with Jamiroquai at some point? Or Yeah, that was sort of
3: the height of the band's career was we, uh, we managed to um, get the support slot in Germany at a festival performing on stage with Jamiroquai and uh, the brand-new Heavies same bill so we were sort of we started off the evening and then and then they were the the main line acts of the night that's really cool
2: okay so we wanted to pick out four or five of the songs from the album and use them as kind of jumping off points for many discussions if that sounds good to you absolutely so with hate won't bring us together the uh the intro track of this album it's really clear that you have a, uh, a warning message for society kind of in the same way that you do with uh where does your apple grow yeah now, it's clear these are important issues to you, and, you know, your messages, they really be important to everybody. Do you think that if more top-billing artists tackled subjects like this on a regular basis, do you think people would be more interested in improving things generally, or I don't know, what do you think?
3: Um, I, I really think that art and music, uh, specifically music, is, is meant to be the voice of the people, and I think that in recent years, music has kind of degenerated into this commercial entertainment product just there for consumption and so much of the the mainstream you know headline acts are just churning out these kind of fairly inane songs that don't have a lot of meaning or social conscience and I don't think all music has to be have a social message but I think it all has to be genuine so I guess that's where I'm coming from that you know it's if I'm the lasting change in the world it's going to be through through my art
2: yeah it's, it's a good mentality to have because I think most people don't about it that
3: way. I think a big okay. problem is with a lot of
1: once artists reach a certain peak, they kind of become afraid of their fans and afraid to speak their mind in these more passionate ways for fear of taking someone off. That's true. Maybe if you do it from the beginning. Yeah, like James, I think exactly. I think it has to be an established be thing.
3: Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, looking at Jamirify as an example, and uh, you know, they started off with a very social message in the music, and uh, and I think, I mean as much as i still love what they're doing musically it degenerated into fairly shallow music um, after a while and commercial kind of just dance you know love sex yeah. and music and i was really happy that their last album kind of came back to some social conscience issues
2: so that our listeners can get a kind of sense of your style a little bit can we go ahead and play a, a short clip of, of Hate will bring us together from your
3: album please do I don't
0: see, no, I will go he knows' there's a better way the conflicts face the music, and it's above the hatred, you are preaching, should be teaching love and harmony, for the world you see is dying, but we'll surviving, it. we'll it's a live burn beauty burned to, to the sky, won't bring us together. Okay, uh,
2: let's talk about another song for a minute here. Um, All Born Down. Now, you released this one late last year. Is that correct?
0: Uh,
2: actually,
3: back in May last year. It was quite.
2: Oh, I guess it was earlier because this is this is actually the first song that I heard from you, and it had already been out by then. I guess we didn't end up talking about you the first time on the show until uh, maybe October or so.
1: We didn't even start the show till September. <laughs>
2: Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I found the the music video for this interesting because you are playing most of the instruments all at the same time, correct? It's yeah. kind of like the band all made up of you. Yeah, that's
3: right. Um,
2: cool. I found that interesting. Um, do you ever feel like it's almost like a visual representation of your career that you have to basically wear all the different hats and do everything yourself?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's it's where I've where I've come to. I, I still I love working with other musicians, and and I'm actually in the process of putting a new band together now to to back me up in Sydney, and and they're just I'm so excited about it. But the reality I've found over over the course of my career is, um, you know, you've got to do a lot for yourself if if you want to get things happening, and and to mm-hmm. to keep a group of guys uh, motivated and and on board is pretty exhausting process. So I, I just come doing it all myself. <laughs>
2: Going off that subject slightly, um, you you put this music video together, right? That's right, yeah. Now, I've noticed that, because you made a student film also in 2006, but also in a lot of your music videos, you have um, visual effects type things going on. Was that ever a serious aspiration of yours to go in that direction career-wise? Because Kyle and I, we, were about, we are both professional digital artists, and we have a lot of experience in that kind of stuff. So we were just wondering if you are ever interested in going into that um, professionally, because you seem
3: pretty good at it, so. Oh, thank you. Well, I wrote, <laughs> I, I wrote Man Upboard when I, when I was at uni. It was actually in my last year of study and and I wrote that song about how frustrated I was with the uh, the process of studying music. I started to hang out with the film students on campus a lot more and, and yeah. start to do side projects like, like the short film that I made. And, and I think I was just trying to come up with ways to avoid working on music because it, it was <laughs> a bit of joy for me. Uh, yeah. So I film and i've always been a film buff in terms of uh you know watching and, and analyzing film and, and mm-hmm. I've mates who are in it professionally and and we just love to get together and, and pick movies apart so it's mm-hmm. definitely a passion of mine and, and i've always kind of said that i think when i'm like 40 or something i'll direct a feature film you know that's something i'd like to do one day but but it's be cool. it's never important to me as the music but it's definitely something i'm passionate and interested in Would
1: you ever think of doing a film... Have you seen the movie once?
3: I've heard lots about it, actually. Oh, such a good
1: movie. Would you ever think of doing a film like that? Basically, the film style is the Frames, this Irish band, made a film with the lead singer playing the role of himself as a musician, a struggling musician. Would you ever think of doing something like that, maybe? It's a brilliant platform to promote their music. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) No, there were some brilliant songs in that movie.
3: Well, um... Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely consider doing something like that, and I think I would need a bit of training though, because I did drama in school and I've, and I've, I've always, um, I guess, I think had the personality for acting, but but, uh, but not necessarily the physical confidence for it. So that's something I'd kind of want to take some time to study. If I was ever going to act in a film.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many people are going to ask you this again about your passion for film. I guess because well, we, we're both film students, so. Um... Yeah, no, it's,
3: it's really nice to be able to talk about it because nobody ever asks me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, so this kind of stemmed from your song All Worn Down. Do you want to talk about that at all? Oh, sure, yeah. Because you were saying that you were frustrated, you know, during university and everything. It was, did you write this during that time or was that at a different time?
3: It's, this I wrote more recently, probably about a year ago, I wrote All Worn Down. And, and it's, actually, oh, okay. it's actually about, I guess, being worn down by a relationship, having nothing left to give to a, uh, a relationship with someone. Well,
2: that's cool. So uh, can I go ahead and listen to a clip of that? I guess we can. and talk about the song Just Like You because right. this is uh, one of my more favorite songs that you've done. It, I love the message of this because it, it kind of reminds us that we're all unique and special. We're, like we were saying before, you know, I think you have some social consciousness with your songs, but really that comes down to the individual level as well with you know being confident with who you are so that you can go out and make those changes to the world. Was there any particular experience that inspired this song or was it just something that came to you?
3: Um, uh, this this is actually the only song that I co-wrote on the album, and I wrote this one with the, a really good friend of mine from Norway called uh, Niels Johan von Johansson, uh, but he goes by Johan, and he and I spent a lot of time together during uni working on projects of his, and he, he's done a lot of songwriting uh, with other people as well. And we got together on this one, and, and we actually, it's the first time I've ever confessed this, but um, we based the song on the chords of Where Did Our Love Go by The Supremes. Oh, really? Yeah, so sure. we're coming from that kind of Motown, town you know, classic angle anyway with, with the style, and it just was such a boppy rhythm, I guess, much more kind of upbeat than, than any of the other stuff I'd written, so it, it just sort of seemed obvious to us to make it uh, a, an uplifting song. And it's just something that he and I both believe, in. he's a clinical psychologist, and, and yeah. you know, I guess I'm um, I'm a pretty positive person, so I spent a lot of time um, focused on... I'm making positive changes in my life and and not really kind of dwelling on the negative. So I just wanted, we want to share a bit of that, I guess, with, with anyone who listens.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that definitely shows through a lot of the songs that you're a very positive person.
3: Uh, I think that's uh, something
1: that's needed
2: nowadays.
3: (laughs) Two kind of emo moments on on the album, but uh, I'm glad that they're not uh, overwhelming.
2: (laughs) No, they're not. Well, why don't we take a little listen to, just Like You, which is this uplifting song that we've been talking about.
0: it's the same old tune Nothing happens while you're staring at the moon. Time is now, so make it flow. It's time for you to get up and start the show. And if you're feeling down, turn around.
1: kind of similar to this with your other song whole lot of nothing it's i would say it's more as you said one of the more emo moments but it's done in such a funny way it's like upbeat i thought that was really fun
3: that was uh ironic for me it was totally heartfelt when i wrote that song and i wrote that for for my wife uh before we were married but uh it was it was when i was at a point where um where i was the the very cliched broken and and more or less homeless musician and and i kind (laughs) of met and fell in love with this woman and she was um, so supportive of my career and, and, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately in other ways, she was financially supportive of me for a while and, and it, it was kind of, it was weighing down on me that, that the woman I loved looking after me and I guess the dreams and aspirations that I had to kind of get my life into order and, and, and turn my creativity into an income and a lifestyle. Yeah. Share and that at the moment I've got a whole lot of nothing, but all of it is for her, so that's sort of where that was coming from. (laughs)
2: That's cool. Um, Why don't we go ahead and listen to a little clip of Whole Lot of Nothing? Yeah, I mean, lyrically, that, that whole, a lot of what you just said to kind of, you know, really shows in the song. Oh, good. Uh, pretty yeah. much exactly. So, right. <laughs> That's good. Obviously, it didn't do too bad because you guys are together now, right?
3: Married. Uh, we've got a son. And, uh, right. and I'm the sole bread earner now um, through my music, which is exactly what I was hoping for when I wrote that song. <laughs> I guess going off that, because I,
1: I, as you were saying, you are have actually become uh, financially successful now through your music what do you think from uh, cause I i know we discussed this a little bit before on facebook from a profitability standpoint what's your opinion regarding kind of the current state of the music industry considering that monetarily it's kind of a shell of its former self with you know itunes downloads and youtube and music piracy all offering at a moment's notice what you used to have to go to a record store to buy
3: yeah yeah i think it's a lot simpler than out, really and I don't really have a problem with with the way things have changed in the industry you know the art is the music and that's that's the sound and and the the recordings are kind of how we deliver them to people and really everyone should have access to that and I don't think art should be elitist it shouldn't be limited to the people who have money being able to consume it it should be available to everyone so you know we're at a point now where music is cheaper than ever now with Spotify and YouTube being the main platforms for, for streaming music, uh, it's free for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's how it should be. But, but where the artist can kind of get financial remuneration for their work and support and encouragement from their fans to continue is in, in the live performance.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, people will pay good money to have a connective experience where they can sit in the room re- with the artist that they adore and really share a moment with, with a performer. I'm not, I'm not too stressed about the changes I'm actually just trying to roll with them maybe not jump too far in the deep end just yet <laughs> mm. have got some plans for the next year to kind of um, rock the boat a little bit with how I release my music
1: I, I think it's fantastic what a lot of musicians like you are doing nowadays where they're kind of taking hold of their own music and their own product and not being forced to like sign with these giant record companies and have these like copyright contracts I think it's fantastic honestly I like the direction it's going in
3: yeah well you know music production now cheaper than ever and, and i'm literally you know finishing off my second album in a second bedroom in my eighth floor apartment you know on the. <laughs> so it's i don't necessarily need to jump into uh, a big expensive studio i've got the tools and the skills available to um to do it all on my own very cheaply
1: well that's fantastic yeah as i said it's it's really great that a lot of artists are doing that now and it seems like musicianship is now being paired with like entrepreneurship in a way
2: you made your own label correct
3: yes How's that going? It's sort of... I see Quick Brown Fox Music as, as, a, as a shelter. <laughs>
0: um,
3: it's not really a business that I'm pushing in itself, you know, because it doesn't actually... It doesn't create the problems the artists do. So I'm I mm. almost as a non-profit kind of organisation to just provide encouragement and support and enable my skills to be shared with the artists that I'm going to be working with. Um, and obviously... I'm the main artist on the label at the moment because I'm fairly prolific with the, the music I'm bringing out but uh,
0: right.
3: but I've got a few other people that I'm starting to work with and hoping to release through the label so the focus is on the music I don't I, I don't worry if the label ever becomes well known or not it's about the music
0: that's
2: good. On, on the subject of, because you were saying that the money is in the live performances, we've actually, on the show before, we've talked about kind of the pros and cons, at least from the listener standpoint, of music that's recorded in the studio versus a live performance. Yeah. Now, you, you know, you have a lot of uh, experience, probably more experience, um, doing live performances. How have you liked the studio experience, at least with recording this album?
3: I would actually say up until a couple of years ago, I had a lot more experience in the studio. Oh, really? And it's in the last couple of years that I've caught up with the live performance side of things. And they're they're two very different processes. Um, For me, what the studio looks like these days is is sort of getting into a dark room late at night on my own and just exploring endless possibilities of sounds. and, And I've got all these kind of digital tools and tricks up my sleeve that I can't necessarily achieve in the same way in a live performance. I get together with a group of musos. There's things and, and moments of magic that happen in that context that you just can't fake in the studio. Mm-hmm. They each have uh, their own really special charm. And uh, my plan for the the next project after the next one after the next one, <laughs> those two projects together, um, and and make a live in studio album with with my band. That's cool.
2: We're going to move on to another song. Okay. Uh, just to, as a jumping point, because now September Babe is a song about your son's birth or before it happened I guess and you know the lyrics clearly express your emotions you know before your son was born i mean how how has this role as a husband and a father helped shape you as an artist
3: as a i'll say as a musician it's it's shaped me into more of a responsible entrepreneurial uh, musician you know i've, mm-hmm. I've taken the uh, the need to provide stable income a lot more seriously so I've just had to be more, I guess, aggressive in, in putting myself out there and take a few more risks for the rewards that, that I'm starting to get now in, uh, in chasing stability. That's, that's what being a parent has really brought. You know, there's, there's sort of uh, motivation to make sure that there's food and shelter. Out of curiosity, too, uh, would you say that
1: as being a parent, that sort of has reinvigorated your sense of putting uh, concepts of social change in your music? Because I guess, in essence, you want to leave your son with a better world than he
3: was born into. You just took the words right out of my mouth. That's Really? That's what <laughs> I, you know, and and I, I sort of say it to myself as a mantra every day that, you know, my time here is wasted if the world is not a better place than he was born into. Mm. And then better for him when he's my age than it is for me. So, yeah, uh, having having him around every day and seeing his wonder and seeing the world that he's coming into, it definitely just intensifies all that social awareness that, that I already had and, and sort of gives me more urgency because, as you hear most parents say, it's like the clock is ticking. The days just fly by and they just grow. So, you know, my time to make a positive change in his world uh, is running out. So it kind of, yeah, makes me kind of accelerate my... <laughs>
1: and at some point you always you know you got to pass the baton in a way too and it's it's the responsibility then of the, of the next
3: generation to continue i oh, know i think like that is a bit of an excuse to uh retire from caring oh no no,
1: no 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 i didn't i didn't mean it i didn't mean it in that way at all i was i was just trying to say the concept of you know people are always trying to better the world generation by generation
3: yeah, well, I, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, each generation does need to take responsibility for, for the world it's in. But, uh, but I, I hope that I'm, I'm still fighting the good fight till the day I die.
1: Oh, of course, as we all hopefully will.
3: <laughs> I know I will. <laughs> so getting back to
2: September, Babe, which is the name of the song um, about your son's birth. Why don't we go ahead and listen to a little clip of that right and now I'll
0: See in your face your hands hold tight to my embrace I will never know a deeper time oh.
3: Has your son showed any interest in music yet? I know he's still pretty young. You, you, if you've seen the, uh, the music video for for my song "Wistful," he's a. Oh, yeah. He has taken on the keyboard, the guitar, and the drums, and singing, and danced <laughs> with so much uh, vigor and gusto. It's it's amazing. Like I, I don't encourage him at all. All I need to do is just let him into my studio, and he just picks up the drumsticks and is right on it, and he's. <laughs> sense of rhythm and he he's just so passionate about it he comes to my gigs from time to time and just loves it and he wants to get up with me and and stomp on my stomp boxes and sing (laughs) every parent kind of in in some way wants their child to follow in their footsteps but I'm also the kind of parent who never wants to impose anything on my child so it's just great because he just clearly loves it that's cool now
2: obviously your wife is supportive of your of your career choice um does she do music at all or is she kind of just in the background
3: she has an appreciation of uh, of what's involved, yeah. but she's not a professional musician uh, in any sense. Although she does these days, consider herself to be quite a good uh, songwriter of children's songs. She makes a lot of them yeah. up online and does pretty well. <laughs> but, yeah, she's she's really a muse to me in a way. You know, she she yeah. really is, and and I I get her feedback on on everything I create. Uh, she she drew the album cover artwork for Man Overboard. And, uh, so she's very involved in the creative process for me. Mm. Uh, we talk about ideas. She helps me with lyrics, uh, just in terms of focusing where I'm headed. So mm. she's very music, although not directly.
2: Mm. Do you think you guys will ever make a, uh, like a
3: children's music album or
0: something?
3: <laughs> We've talked about making a children's book for a long time. Mm. You know, only so much time you have in the day and, and, yeah. and do. Um, so I don't, I don't put too much weight onto these, uh, these side projects you know they'll happen if the inspiration is there
2: now you've talked about a little you mentioned your your second album you said you're almost done with that as well right yeah um yeah so do you care to elaborate on what's what that's going to be
3: um yeah i can i can say a bit it's um it started off with with actually a number of b-sides from from man overboard there was there was actually four four songs that i recorded back when i did the where does your apple grow ep i started to record these songs and they were going to be part of what the original album was, uh, which was going to be a real throwback to the 70s. Yeah. And then I started writing all these new songs and, and the album took a different direction. So I kind of renamed the album and uh, and allowed it to go in the direction it was going in. Yeah. And that's what we come to with Man Overboard now. Uh, but I still have these four songs that, that all felt like they really fit together beautifully and more songs have just flowed from that. So now it's it's a bit of a concept album. And yeah, and it's it's a throwback kind of So it's more seventies so, influence maybe. Yeah, more, more directly, less less subtly drawing from seventies right. influence. That's cool.
2: <laughs> when are you expecting to, to get that out?
3: This year. This Definitely year. this year.
2: Oh cool.
3: Yeah. Two albums out this year. I um I don't want to wait too long. I don't I don't see a lot of point in waiting when when it's done, I'll start to roll it out. Um, but in the time that I've been Kind of gearing up to get this first one out. I've I've been uh, observing the industry a lot more closely and and seeing where things are headed. And any illusions I had previously about the importance of uh, timing kind of melting away. And I really just want to share the music as it comes up. That's cool.
2: I guess we've kind of run out of questions. Um, <laughs> we would like to play a full song on this episode just to give people a little slice of the album uh, before it comes out. If that's okay with you. Sure. Do you have any idea of which one we should play? Do you
3: have any preference? Yeah, any preference. I'd like you guys to play whatever one you're really digging on the most. Mm. Um,
1: Pers- if we're going to do that, personally, I really, really like Whole lot of Nothing, both because, as you said, it was it's very emotional and heartfelt, but it also has this upbeat tone to it that really spoke a lot to me. Honestly, I was humming this song because I listened through your whole album and I was like, had half of your songs stuck in my head. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I really, I definitely had this one stuck in my head the most. So, if that's cool with you, Peter, I don't know. Yeah, I don't care. Okay, uh, in that case, yeah, here is the song, Whole and Nothing in its Entirety by James Fox Higgins.
2: actually something i thought of just now i'm curious where, where did the whole quick brown fox moniker kind of come in
3: haha <laughs> it's kind of a long story but i'll, I'll try to i'll try to be brief okay. um around the time i met and started courting uh the woman who's now my wife uh, she showed a, a picture of me to her mum before i'd met her family she looked at me and she kind of got a vibe from the picture of me and she said look out for this one he's a fox and <laughs> I took that as, you know, you know, physically complimentary and, and, uh, and all that. But, um, but really she meant that that was kind of the energy that she uh, could see in in my face and was, was a bit fox-like. And, uh, and we, I, when I finally met her, I said, hi, I'm the fox. (laughs) It had a, a bit of a profound effect on me it just kind of stuck in my head and then when I was first dating Vera and I'm not joking you know in the strangest places we would we would drive through the forest that her family lives in and, and a fox would run across the road and that's sort of understandable because they live there but then we were out on this date and um, we we're out watching the moon rise over the ocean and it was you know all very beautiful and romantic and I said oh the only thing that could make this would be seeing a fox kind of laughed at how ridiculous it was to think of a fox on the beach and as we drove away a fox ran across the road onto the <laughs> beach we had to like pull over it was sort of so stunning That's
0: really um,
3: and it was actually Vera coming into my life was such a an important time of change um, mm. for me so empowering and has really shaped me into the man that I am now that I decided to make it my brand um to harness the power of that change and make it part of who i am so i made it my stage name i made it the label name and good things have come from it so i'm sticking with it that's
2: i I wouldn't have guessed there was that much meaning behind it that's that's cool
3: yeah it's important to me and people some you know some people think it's a joke most people think it's my real name james fox higgins and that's okay my grandmother's surname was fox so there is a bit of a connection there but um but yeah it's it's my totem really
2: okay well, James, thanks so much for joining us. I know it's, it was a little hard getting everything lined up
1: here. Some since- technology yeah. and time zones and all that. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, guys.
2: Yeah. So, Man Overboard, it's his debut album. Check it out. We'll post a link, and you can go buy it. And
1: <laughs> and listen to it and get it stuck in your head like I did. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, thanks for listening to Funk Radio. This has been Peter.
1: And this has been Kyle.
2: And also James is there, too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in next time for more Funk
0: Radio. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.